I'm speaking uh, with Mr. Henry Jackman, who's had a pretty tremendous year with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and the recent Big Hero 6, which opened to number one in the box office, and to huge critical acclaim. Uh, to end 2014, Henry reteamed with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg for the interview. Uh, Henry, so great to chat again. Thanks for your time. Hey, Kyle, how's it going? Oh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. So, well, this is the fourth time we've spoken and interviewed, so we've definitely gone through a lot about you and your past, so let's just uh, dive right into Big Hero 6. Um, sure. uh, you're no stranger to animation. I mean, in fact, your first feature was Monsters vs. Aliens, and you kind of worked under John Powell and Hans Zimmer, who are kind of the, the two best when it comes to animation scoring. So what, what have you learned kind of over the years working in animation from the beginning up till now in Big Hero 6 that you kind of still apply to the process? Well, yeah, you're right to mention that because you know, if I think about it, if, if you'd had an entire career uh, doing movies like Argo and Syriana, you'd suddenly get the shock of your life when it's an animated <laughs> film because the, the musical, uh, well, it's several things. It's not just musical style, which will obviously change depending on the animated film. Not all animated films are the same. Right. But there is something shared by all animated films, in my opinion, which is the sort of the rate of change of music and the amount of musical turns and the speed with which the story develops um, and the arc of the characters it is quicker and, and you need to be adept at being able to move. You know, it, it still needs to sound like a piece of music. It can't be diving around and sound schizophrenic, but uh, the turns are, are almost more committed uh, in, in an, an animated film and how quickly they occur. So you have to sort of be a bit nimble on your feet. Now, having said that, I'd probably argue that Big Hero 6 because of the, it has a contemporary, because it has, a, you know, it, it's sort of a combination of a Disney anime, classic Disney animation film, but also a sort of Marvel superhero film. Um, you'd probably put it in a different category to a sort of Frozen or even a Wreck-It Ralph, because it, 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 it's, I'd say it's a little more contemporary. And that's not to say I haven't used a lot of electronic textures, you know, in other animated films, but just the general tonality Hero Six is, uh, I'd say, is a little more contemporary than uh, than perhaps other Disney. It, it's perhaps a departure for them, uh, which made it very interesting to score because you've got a, a. Well, here's the thing: the superhero element in live action films, especially you know contemporary live action films, uh, the sort of music you get to those scores now is very different to say you know Richard Donner, John Williams, Superman. There's a vogue for more deconstructed. Um, and a slightly more minimalist and realistic approach. Whereas, although it's a superhero movie, because it's in the context of a Disney animation, um, I was able to more be let off the hook and really, you know, be allowed to write a big, you know, heroic melody that has an A part and a B part, you know, like the good old days. I mean, it, uh, it did have that, that big fanfare, but I mean, I, while I watched it, even though it, it is kind of based on the comic book and, and superheroes, but it never felt like a superhero movie to me. I mean, it was so uh, character-centric. I mean, well, that's true. Exactly. That, that's, why, that's one of the reasons it's so true to its Disney roots. In that If you really break it down, mm -hmm. the, the heart of the movie is in the relationship between uh, Baymax and Hero and Hero and Tadashi and the whole issue of loss and grief and... Um, finding your family and finding your friends. So it, it, that's probably where it differs most from a live-action superhero film that is, isn't going to be quite as engaged, maybe, or not in quite the same way. So you're right. In a way, the climax of the film is an emotional one. And musically, that meant it was just as important to have sensitive and, and, and thoughtful and emotion-provoking music and, and intimate music. The scale, you're right. I was careful not to make the scale so huge that these intimate 
um, narrative threads, you know, couldn't get swamped by a, an over bombastic um, approach. So I'm glad you feel that it means I didn't ruin the film. <laughs> uh, no, you didn't. And because I, honestly, listening to it, it is kind of a uh, when people ask about it, you know, you can. Oh, it's very easy to say it's a very big orchestral, uh, you know, fanfare kind of uh, heroic. Le- well, lifting you up type of score, but it's also hard to describe the intricacies that you did because you did manage to use a lot of kind of electronic textures, some little robot sounds, and a little bit of the Japanese stuff in the beginning, but you never really went overboard with them. So it did never felt like a gimmick or anything that you were just trying to hone in on. So, I mean, was that a very conscious decision to make it just pure orchestral and just very focused on the characters? Yes. I mean, like you say, it does have these various threads. I mean, there are electronics in there and especially in the first act of the film, it's a lot more poppy mm-hmm. and there's, you know, there's more guitar and there's a bit of a band feeling. There's some, you know, electronica, especially when Baymax first shows up, it's kind of like, uh, I was thinking that like iNurse, he's the sort of Apple, the ultimate <laughs> Apple care product. Um, but knowing that by the end of it, I mean, by the, there's a cue called Silent Sparrow on the CD. By the time you get to there, I mean, it's a sort of full symphonic mystery cue as, because the story really opens up and by the end is, is a, a very dramatic and emotional film. It was very important not to, you know, invest all my eggs in, in a, a color or a texture or even the geography of sort of, you know, Japan meets America, because ultimately that's not as important as the relationships in the story. And because the story is so strong in that Disney tradition, um, you know, I didn't need to lean on a gimmick or, or a, a particular sound because what was more important was the themes and, and the characters. Um, which are, which and all of that is more of a universal. I mean, by the time you get to the end of the film, it's much more about loss and uh, and parting and friendship and family than it is, you know, San Francisco. So um, right. it was important not to get too bogged down in uh, in any particular um, texture or color. Which is why I was so concerned when I first started the film. I just wrote the themes on the piano, no, knowing that look, I've got to get the themes because we you can you can color the themes in a million ways and have them played on different instruments or do it with a band or do it with uh, electronics. But what you need is that underlying description of what that melody is doing. Right, and and speaking of your themes, I mean, uh, your your main theme is is simple but so perfect uh, and, and i love how it can be heroic but you can also strip it down in places and literally at times you know it can send you chills and lift you but when you kind of boil it down to just maybe a piano for those emotional scenes it, you know there's not a dry eye in the house so when you're crafting a theme are you always thinking about kind of it's a duality if it can do the big stuff and the small stuff can any theme have those two sides or do you really have to well, focus on something that can do that well, you're exactly right. The it, It's no good having some sort of motif that's trapped in one mm-hmm. um, psychology of music. What was really important, I spent a, a real while on the piano developing that thing because I needed to conceive a theme which I could imagine in the full Indiana Jones kind of <laughs> context. But like you say, it's it, actually, it's still the, it's still the Big Hero 6 theme. When it breaks down to that piano, it really is just the Big Hero 6 theme played gently and slowly on solo piano. It's exactly the same theme as all the big heroic stuff, but uh, used in a much more emotional context, in context of emotional self-realization. And, you know, as you're writing, and, and that's why it's really important to see that preview and have an early understanding of the film, because you have to imagine all the different contexts that uh, this melody is, is going to be used in, and if it's versatile enough. 
So yeah, you have to be aware of that, and you sort of secretly know it. It's this weird instinct when you you know mm-hmm. you fiddle around on the piano, and your first ideas are usually in the bin, and then something takes hold that you you have this weird and instinctive confidence is the right thing for the film, and you, it just sort of reveals itself. And uh, I mean, I, the whole film also with the music and especially your themes that really made it kind of uh, organic and moving. And honestly, I don't think there's been a, a Disney film since maybe The Lion King where, you know, a character's death hits you as hard as it does here. And I know loss is definitely one of the central themes of the film um, with Hiro and Tadashi. But there's a lot of emotions that Hiro's going through, a lot of anger. And, and the score definitely carries the audience through that. Was it a challenge... I mean, this is also, you know, an animated film kind of aimed for families. Was it a challenge not to be too heavy, kind of given the subject matter and the, the story you're telling to the to the audience? Well, funnily enough, not really, because <clears throat> the filmmakers, Don and Chris, Don Hall and Chris Williams and, and producer Roy, didn't pull their punches. I mean, when there's an area of the movie, without giving too much away, you know, where uh, Hero is so desperate and angry that the entire moral basis of why Baymax was created and that he's the perfect, harmless, caring um, sort of nurse robot. You know, he's trying to reprogram him to carry out all sorts of violent actions, which is precisely the opposite of his initial programming. And, right. and in a way, you know, we almost sort of tread into, turn, you know, Anakin Skywalker turning to the dark side <laughs> territory and the whole team's going, you know, what are you doing? And, and, uh, and there's a there's a very uh, powerful area of the film, and I tried to write, you know, just a very powerful, angry, emotional piece. And far from holding me back, the filmmakers were as committed to the, um, you know, the prospect of the dark side as they were the the heroic aspects. And uh, <clears throat> it's just inherent in the film. <clears throat> it, it's it's in that. I mean, if you look at Disney Animation Pixar, they don't they just don't pull their punches. I mean, I remember. You know, and up before you've even got out of the gates, you're nearly in tears. Oh, you know? yeah. um, I know, good lord, and it's 100 uh, music too. <laughs> exactly, but the point being, if you don't have the commitment to the loss or the anger or the danger of the dark side, then in a funny way, your your side, your your. But if if you don't commit to that kind of stuff, then you, it, it, you're also denigrating the um, or lessening the resolution and and the and the heroism you need <clears throat> in the same way that you know if you pull your punches with the adversary then the triumph isn't as big you have to um you know if you've got a good story every aspect of the emotional journey should be explored because the more you swing to one side the more relieved you are you know if you're in a, in a situation of extreme jeopardy that if you really feel it which is why i committed i mean the yokai the the villain music is yeah, at some points becomes you know operatic in its villainy, and and you need to feel that because you know apart from just visually it's a mask cloaked adversary. But if you don't really believe that his anger and 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 evil is and, and capacity to harm everyone is strong enough, then then you don't. When the heroic melody comes in, it's going to feel undeserved because mm-hmm. the uh, because the jeopardy wasn't committed to. So both in the film and in the relationship I had with the directors and the producer, they, they were um, absolutely committed to if something needs to be heartfelt or emotional or if something needs to be scary or they, uh, they you know, they didn't hold me back. And and also I love that because me growing up, I grew up uh, kind of in the 90s and the films that I still remember um, 
didn't, you know, were not afraid of, they didn't cheapen the emotions. And, uh, you know, Land Before Time and Secret of Nip, especially those Don Bluth films and James Horner, those movies, they never, you know, they were sad sometimes. But, you know, I think if you cheapen the emotions, you kind of, uh, you know, you're not respecting the audience as well and their capabilities. And it definitely makes, I think, everything so much more, it gives a, a weight to it, you know. Um, exactly. <clears throat> but uh so i mean with winnie the pooh wreck it ralph and 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 uh now big hero six you're really entering into that kind of disney animation musical legacy you're kind of building for yourself uh, are there any disney scores from the past that you really connect with that you know really th you really think hit the nail on the head well it's i mean i've been endless uh good scores for for i mean actually mentioning winnie the pooh of course all the original music the show was it sherman brothers is the winnie the pooh i mean that's all absolute classic mm -hmm. it, it, it's built into our it's so iconic we all kind of know what it sounds like before we've even heard it. it's sort of part of our musical heritage and vocabulary but if i had to put it would probably be when was fantasy it was about 1940 or something yeah 1941 or 42 yeah yeah i i feel like that there's something about the fact that it was it was most it was all ducar wasn't it sorcerer's apprentice mm -hmm. There's something about the legitimacy of having such such an iconic movie with such a uh, unabashed, con you know, uh, a piece of essentially concert music, you know, really set up a, a, a musical legacy at the highest possible level. You know, it's a bit like having, uh, you know, a very early studio film and the score was done by Debussy or Stravinsky. Or right. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. It's about that we started that far back with something of, of such... Um, musical excellence that has, I don't know, it's it, it's like uh, coming out the gates uh, with the highest possible musical ambition. Absolutely. That in a funny way has always hung in the background with Disney. I'm not saying that, you know, music sounds like The Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's just, uh, uh, and, and of course, musical style uh, of, of Disney films has, has moved all over the place. But uh, um, I feel like the fact that Fantasia had The Sorcerer's Apprentice set down uh, uh, a very high <laughs> musical standard. And the the funny thing about Fantasia is that was the first movie I ever saw when I was like, uh, you know, like a toddler. My my mom would play it for me. So that probably explain, explains why I'm sitting here talking to you now as well. So, um, Well, the other thing, just going back to what we were talking about, not pulling your punches. I mean, I don't know if you remember as a kid, but... Fantasia, it, it gets dark and scary. I mean, oh, if you're a kid yeah. and you watch Fantasia, it's got that dreamlike, nightmarish quality in the animation, which is a good example of, you know, I'm not saying it's a horror film or anything, but it's a good example of when something needs to be nightmarish. You know, even in the early days of Disney filmmaking, it's not all sanitized, mm -hmm. that, that it does commit to um, a visual language that, that can be nightmarish. Um, and and that that uh, you know that that's another legacy that's continued with committing to uh, you know the point being that even though this is product essentially designed for the family and for children it doesn't insult the intelligence of the viewer absolutely and no, i agree with that or, 100% or, or their capacity to absorb scariness or or loss or the, you know you know it's it's not like children must be completely protected from any type of uh, emotional journey you know they, they can they can handle it mm -hmm. no absolutely and um so i mean bigger six i mean that's it's quite an accomplishment um and also 
coming up at the end of the year, you're doing the, you're reteaming with uh, Seth uh, Rogen and Evan Goldberg for the interview. So did I mean when you when you continued your collaboration with these guys, did you have any questions or reservations of doing a comical send up of a dictator and a government that aren't known for their sense of humor? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think the North Korean regime has my physical address. Yeah, uh, yes, get more concerned. Um, no, the, I guess the funny thing is, you just can't account for the mentality of the North Korean regime. I, it never entered my head because when you see the film, it's so self-evidently uh, you, you'd need a sense of humor failure of such a spectacular nature not to enjoy it. But then I guess uh, the North Korean regime is precisely an example of a regime that has absolutely no sense of humor. But I would maintain that secretly, if the North Korean dictator got to watch this on his own without having to um, present himself to his staffer, I bet you he thinks it's funny. <laughs> oh, hopefully Kim Jong-un will send out a statement, you know, once the movie comes out. <laughs> yes, I'm sure there'll be an official statement of how disgraceful and disrespectful it is. But secretly... He may, his ego may even swell slightly that a, a, a big, you know, uh, proper budgeted and hilarious film with talented directors has been made with him in the center of it, even if it's not the, uh, the, official, the official version. But um, to be honest, no, I really didn't think about it. I was just focused on, you know, what they were trying to achieve in the film. That's cool. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you got a call from him for the, for the real sequel, the, the, the true story, so that you're going to be scoring for Kim Jong-un. So watch out. Probably that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but looking, kind of looking in the future, you do have some great projects coming up. You're reteaming um, with Rob Letterman for Goosebumps. You're reteaming with Matthew Vaughn for uh, Kingsman, The Secret Service, and of course, you're attached for Captain America: Civil War with the Rousseau brothers. Is it easy for you to kind of switch your brain into all these different genres? Because you you never really follow up one project in the same genre. You really do spread yourself out. I mean, how does that kind of work mentally in your in your mind? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. The, the funny irony is, I mean, because I haven't done lots of sequels, which is, and when I say, I mean, I've done sequels as in I've done the second of a franchise, but, you know, it's always been like reinvented. So mm, yeah. I, I haven't yet, I haven't yet come back to my own film, as it were, uh, my, my own score, um, which I don't know. I mean, there may be a sequel to, to some of the animated films I've worked on, and, and we know there's definitely a Captain America one. So I've yet to have the experience of coming back to my own Thing. But the, there is a funny irony in that, because what tends to happen, when you have to invent a brand new universe musically, like Big Hero 6, what tends to happen is just by the time you're finishing the score, it's so under your fingertips that you could, meaning it's really challenging as you start, and it, 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 the speed at which you write the score is exponential. You know, you, you struggle at the beginning because you're finding everything, and then by the end, when you're on a roll, you know what all your themes are, and you know what all the colors are, and you feel like, you know, you could write another hundred minutes in half the time that it took you the first... Uh, 100 minutes to write and of course it's at that very point when everything's under your fingertips and you know what's happening that the movie's over <laughs> and then you're on to something else that's completely different and you reinvent from scratch and the same arc happens where now i guess the only difference to that would be something like uh, coming back to captain america um you know there are themes that will run from the previous score that i did so i've yet to have that experience my experience generally is having to reinvent from scratch finally get there and uh, just as you really know what you're doing it's all over but to be honest I, I enjoy I mean it's not that much of a mental challenge in as much as just in my personality and because I've got all these sort of schizophrenic musical influences from all sorts of different areas I think I would struggle the other way around if, it, if I had to keep doing the same 
start. I, I, I'm probably about ready, you know, because it takes a while to do a score. By the time you've finished it, you're about ready to sort of, um, you know, go enter a different uh, field and think about a different style and just write new music. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, never, never thought about that way where you're going to get that itch to, to kind of change gears a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, but Henry, uh, thank you again so much for your time. I'm out of questions for, for this uh, this round, uh, but um, congratulations. I really do think that Big Hero 6 is some of your most uh, matured writing and thematic variation. It really blew me away, so it's a very intimate score, yet big, but congratulations on that. Thank you very much.